I'm Lauren. And I'm Annie. Welcome, Welcome to, to Burf Bar. The sad bag edition. With pumpkin candy in our mouth. Lucky you. <laughs> this is going to be a good one. Or will it? It's <laughs> 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 <That's> hard telling. <laughs> So grab the nearest chenille blanket, make yourself a cup of tea, burn your running shoes in the fireplace, and join us for the Tunnel Hill edition of Burf Barf. A.K.A. the anatomy of a DNF. <laughs> Again. You're okay. Oh, I so. guess I should have prefaced it with spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler I think, alert. I don't think it's a spoiler when Anne Lang posted like minute by minute updates oh, yeah. and like the person who works in clerical at my office is like, hey, I'm sorry about your DNF. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's anyone who doesn't know okay. about this. So yeah, if that was a surprise to you, then you are not following our social media accounts. You, you should be ashamed up. of yourself. You fucked up. <laughs> you did fuck up. Because <laughs> now you have to relive the trauma on a Monday. So, we've had very little time to decompress or figure out how we feel how we feel about how this. Feels, how, how feels? How feels? How brain does? How brain does feels about sad sad races. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's start at the very beginning. Yeah, because I think you have to preface it with some of the build up. Although we talked a bit about it on the episode where we talked with Coach Galfi about like what your goals were yeah. and how you're kind of shifting training, but that was. That was like post BFC, so that was a different time. Those, we, were different we were different people, people then. We were so young. We were so young. So naive. We didn't have any wrinkles. Um, yeah. So I got it. I got. I don't even want to talk about. It's so hard to talk about my goals when I didn't make any of them. I just put a little piece of cheese behind my ear. If that gives you an indication of how I've been living for the last twenty four hours. And me too, because I just you know ran the race by proxy, so I'm very calorie deficient. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I had high hopes of doing maybe 22 hours-ish and attempting a finish that was within the top 10 women's times of the previous year. And, uh, I mean, I think fitness-wise, those things were maybe in my wheelhouse. And your training went really, went quite well. My training went really well. The only thing was that I did have this little, not so much a whisper, but a shout of a pain in my hip um, in my glute med and my hip flexor, I had some weakness and some pain. But what I had noticed on my longest training run was it didn't get any worse. But it turns out... You should also talk about... Oh, all right. Well, I've also had some inexplicable pain in my face, which I thought was uh, like a cavity or like me needing a root canal or having some kind of abscess and turns out went to the dentist and I don't have any of those things. Um... And I'm having some, like, numbness in my cheeks, some numbness in my arms, some tingling, radiating pain, eyeball migraines. And I'm going to do this for you. Both of us are hard-ass motherfuckers Mm -hmm. and can handle some fucking pain. Mm -hmm. So when we reference things as, like, a whisper of pain or when we start talking about (laughs) it's a lot of pain, like, as most ultra runners are, you have to, like, bump that scale up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a scale of 1 to 10. We're in, like, the scale of 40 to 50. Right. Right. And I, I have really... <laughs> I hate the dentist, so if I have a whisper of tooth pain, I'm like, I'm going to ride this out until I'm in searing, blinding, horrendous... Tooth! <laughs> Heal thyself! Yeah. Or, I mean, when I was not training, I would just drink a shitload of whiskey and hope that it faded away. So the pain started when I was crewing you at Biggs. 
and a month ago. Yeah, almost. No, two weeks ago. No, three. It's this is going on week four. We don't even know Anyways, who we are yeah. anymore. Um, <laughs> so I got it checked out. It's not that. So I've got a bunch of other tests and appointments to figure out what's going on with my weird sort of nerve nerve pain in my neck and eye and ear and mouth. So you went into Tunnel Hill with your face hurting and that causing some other stuff and your hip hurting yeah and causing some other stuff yeah and the hip pain was re- is really like only after like the first maybe f- 5 to 10 miles of every run um it's at not at least you can do the first 10 without pain right i did <laughs> i did so uh you know we headed to a beautiful vienna illinois southern illinois we got to hear the famous Camille Heron speak on Friday night about not really so much about how one breaks a world record, yeah. but how one is born to do so. Yeah, it it's was not really a, a how-to manual about how to train or grind or eat right, but more like a case study. A case study in a body that was built differently and a brain that was built differently than other people. Yeah. So not really too helpful. <laughs> To a mid-backpacker who's to be like, To be fair, though, you should not be gathering helpful information the night before a hundo no. anyways. No, you shouldn't. But, you know, in some ways I you know, was mega curious to know, like, what makes you tick, how, how you do what you do. And those things, it was basically just like, um, autistic kid plays piano like wizard. Camille Heron runs 12-hour hundos. And smiles the whole time. And smiles the whole time. So, Amazing. Mm. It was interesting, but not helpful. Um, and stayed in a cute little Airbnb, got ready, and it was like 20 and windy all night long the night before the race, you know, causing me some minor anxiety. But truly, the the coldness really didn't play too much of a factor. Turns out, like, 35 degrees during the day is actually, that's running. Quite nice, yeah. It's and running the sun weather. was out. Mm-hmm. Sun was out, yeah. Um, oh, and there's so few, like, there's so many problems you get to not worry about so much when it's mm-hmm. colder especially yeah. as a GI person yeah. that's impacted with like nutrition yeah. and everything like no electrolyte issues no tummy sick issues yeah I mean we're just gonna keep silver lining the fuck out of this yeah thing. <laughs> sure sure why not you didn't vomit yay <laughs> uh so I had a couple friends running this race I think every person that I know who ran this race finished it our new friends, Fred and Regina, yeah. finished sub-24 for their first hundo. What the hell, people? Yeah, good for you guys. Holy cow. And there were so many people that we had met at the from the Runwell Ultra Running Clinic that we had spoke at, because that was in the neighborhood. So, Diana, you like congrats on running a 50. Woo-hoo. Lisa, on your 50. Nice. Especially fighting through some... She did have some GI issues, oh. and I feel like a bitch, because I just said, you don't have to worry about GI issues. <laughs> You well, still do. <laughs> grinding through. Yeah. Um, and our friend who we traveled with, um, Megan M- McDonald, An- McDonald no, Anderson. Anderson. Anderson McDonald. Um, she finished in a wicked fast time of 2140 yeah. uh, for her second 100 ever. Amazing. So really fabulous work on your part, everybody that came and ran. And my friend, uh, you know, we call her Kate, Caitlin Chunkers. Uh, Kachumbers. Kachumbers also finished... Um, and got her buckle, so good for you. And Tim. Tim, and Tim our yay. dear Tim O'Keefe, Aww. which I, I'm I'm going out on a limb here. I think it's Tim's first hundo. No he, way. Because he got very, very close to OutRun this year, running 90-plus miles. 
And I think this was his first hundo. Oh, so congratulations, ring bell, Tim. Tim. Ring that bell. Um, yeah. So, uh, sunshiny and cold morning. A cool feature of the race course was um, these little thing called uh, frost flowers or ice flowers. Yeah. Where um, if there's a, a fast frost, uh, water gets uh, pulled out of the ground and sort of wraps around any kind of like a vegetation that's growing and then makes this beautiful curvy sort of like almost cattail looking frozen flower. You need to Google it because it's when she was talking about it, I thought that doesn't sound that interesting. It's gorgeous. <laughs> and well, I, I, no one could figure out what they were until someone finally touched them. I thought they were like plastic bags. So, I mean, I don't know how beautiful it can be, but I ran with a lot of interesting people. I ran with um, cops, doctors, doctor cops, not kidding. No cop doctors, though, so no. this race was lacking in that, I suppose. <laughs> um, Mike Casey got his finish. Way to go, Mike Casey, Woo-hoo! a cop from Chicago that I met, who is a super, super sweet guy, told great stories. Um, oh, I think it's worth mentioning. So uh, Tunnel Hill, the race format is uh, you do two, two out-and-back sections, and you do each out-and-back section twice. So there's... Uh, a lot of cross traffic, so getting to see people go the other way. And I don't think you spent a whole lot of time alone, um, except for when you chose to be alone. Yeah. Um, You actually feel like you can't get alone time. Yeah. It's almost a problem at points. Yeah. So it's something to consider when thinking about races. Like, if you're a person who really likes to be around people the entire time... This is for you. This is a good race for you. Um, There was... I think 700 people between the 50 and the 100 miler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say from a crew perspective, uh, it was it was really well executed. So mm-hmm. I only saw people waiting for porter potties a handful of times at aid stations. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever had to park more than like 100 yards away at most. That's awesome. Which considering like... How many aid stations there were and how people. much crew? It was it was kind of insane. That's awesome. But I wonder if people, because the course is designed to be fast and to uh, make it easy, I wonder if a lot of people just self support with how mm. relatively do close it. the aid stations are. I would say almost every single person I talked to said they were crewing themselves. And I felt like this this is a business hundred. Like this is it's where you to go business. to get shit done. Whether it's, it's a little your... bit of a bummer though, because there are no like. No one's in a Yeti costume. Right. You know, and there are no disco balls. Yeah. Lauren just kept saying, I you, I just want an aid station with a disco ball. It, it is not that kind no. of hundo. There's, it's strictly business. It's fucking uh, pretzels and, and frozen granola bars. So yeah. don't get too pumped because there was not... And actually, I don't think I looked at a single aid station because I was so, just going to rely you on... You were crewed so well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I just didn't, I only wanted to eat the food that I had ready, and I only wanted Tailwind. I didn't want any other beverages, so it was like, there was no use for me in going to the aid stations, which is, I mean, if we were doing a logistics re- review out loud, which we are now, um, that that's an amazing way to work, because then you're not really, like, distracted in any way, and you can get in and out of aid stations. I mean, the only time I really spent more than 20 seconds in an aid station was when I knew that I was going to give up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I stopped for like 15 to 17 seconds to eat a blizzard. I think I, yeah, I think I hardly, you hardly ever broke a stride and there was, there was, 
once or twice where I needed you to like absorb Answer more than questions. six seconds of information. I was yeah. like, hold on, hold on, please hold on. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to see you for seven miles. Please think about what you need right. this next stop. Right. Um, and then you're back to it. But yeah, you yeah. really went through aid stations quick. So you'd need a devoted, insane person to crew you if you wanted to be able to travel as light as I did. I got to carry just like a 10 ounce Nathan, you started out really light, and I think you ended up even going lighter because you started with the 10 or 12 ounce Nathan. The smallest. And had a goo flask with maybe, what are those things, Six, carry? six servings? Six servings, which is quite heavy. It's heavier than the water. Right. Uh, and just like a couple wipes and something else, and you ended up dumping the goo, goo flask. The goo flask was too heavy, yeah. which is such a princess thing to say because we've traveled with like 15 pound packs yeah. before. Um, it's all about the event and like what your expectations yeah, are. And if you're like, lean. and then when you see pretty much no one wearing vests and everybody wearing like one handheld yeah. or. Uh, yeah. But they're probably wasting a lot of time in those aid stations. Probably. Foxing with their handhelds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was super lean and I really didn't have to wear anything but two long sleeve shirts. Most of the day I didn't have anything on my head or my neck just cause I, I was working. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was. I would say I was like marathon efforting, uh, where I was hot enough to not need anything covering me in any way. I mean, which is kind of maybe a bad indication because that speed for me, 1130s should have been like a real comfy zone. And you've had training runs where it has been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this is where we're getting into theories based on nothing, nothing really, just mm-hmm. my own gut yeah. check. But I think because you were in pain, I think it made it harder to sustain yeah. that effort. Yeah, and other things would lead to that is lead to that solution as well because my heart rate was kind of artificially high. I mean, not artificially; it was high, higher than it should be in that zone, um, in that pace zone. So I don't know. I, I had a lot of different factors, um, but I would say for the first forty-ish, thirty-five to forty-ish miles. I was just like, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to be like. And it's doable. I have a lot of pain. This is not a comfortable thing to do. But I think I can do this with some diminishing returns. I figured if I could get 40 down at 1130s and then I do the rest a little over 14, I thought that will still be a sub 24. Yeah. That will be okay. And that's not, and you haven't had a sub 24 finish before. So that would be, that would be a win. Yeah. That would be a win. So I was kind of mathing it out thinking like, I'm not a very good power hiker when it comes to flat stuff. So I can't really like keep that Olympic walk going. So I knew that I was going to have to do like run walks, but I was still kind of hoping to continue running. So this is the first, this is the longest distance I have ever run without walking. I did a total of 52.5 miles without walking at all. Awesome. Which is, I, I guess I'll have to add that as an accomplishment. Because I didn't know that I could do that. Uh, I ran two marathons without stopping. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So. And that's not even, uh, you like hardly have to put an asterisk with that like, you know, stopped at eight for food and stuff. Because I mean, there really was, I would say at least half of the aid station stops. I don't think you broke stride. No, <laughs> Like you no. shuffled through. Yeah. Or like. Like stop for a half second, and I was like, "Drop your stuff," and then just gave you things. Yeah, I don't think, you know, TMI, whatever. But I don't think you even went to the bathroom enough to say that that was a big chunk of time either. No, I I used the bathroom once all day, and I did that at that freestanding one. Yeah, saw me at, and that was it. 
So, yeah, I did very, I mean, that's the least stopping I've ever done. And I managed to pull off 50 in 10.04, which is wicked fast for me. Yeah. Um, but to rewind a little, uh, so I tried to listen to some other people's stories and I try to keep going. I really wanted to get in my zone and like listen to my music so that I could sort of drown out the world or like listen to a podcast. And I tried to put my headphones in at mile like 10, 20 and 30 and couldn't because my headache and my ear hurt so bad that it was like having a bee in my ear. Yeah. So I had to take it out. I tried to wear it in one, but then I knew I would notice that I was like walking towards the left. I was like a cat with its whiskers cut off. It's very, very sad. So dog in the back of a moving car. (laughs) And oh, so after you get to the 20, 26 mile mark, which is the start finish, it's not 25 because it's 24 and 26 Mm -hmm. as it turns out. Um, you end up going for a while flat, maybe 10 miles, and then you do a pretty long, steady hill. And on, you know, when you read about it, you're like, ah, psh, that stinky little bitch. And then you get there and you're like, why, God, why this place? <laughs> it really is exceptionally hard. I feel like you have to put it in the category of, and just listening to people. So I'm, I'm very inattentive, go figure, and like have all the paces and I'm watching everything really careful to like watch her average pace and see if it's slowing down, speeding up, what her segment pace is like and all these things. And as I'm waiting at one of the aid stations, she had been like on the nose, like within like super consistent 1130. It was like 1125 to 1130 pace. So, I mean, it was within a minute or two. I'd be like, oh, well, she's supposed to be here at 1106. And then she'd pull up at 110530. And and being like super, super on point. Um, after the first couple aid stations, just kind of fine tuning what your average pace ended up being, which was again, like 11, 21, 25. And then all of a sudden there was an aid station where it was like six minutes later. And I was like, I I felt a little bit panicky, but then I was like, you know what? You're, she, and anybody who has crewed or watched a marathon at several different points knows this. You end up looking at the same like 20 people before your runner comes in because you're just staring at everybody until you notice the same familiar faces. And I was like, you know what? She's later than I would have expected based on her average pace thus far, but I'm looking at the same number of people mm-hmm. or I'm looking at the same people. So yeah. everybody whatever happened to her has happened to everybody. And I thought, I bet this is that slight uphill slope slight. section. Yeah. And I feel like you have to put the, the quote unquote uphill in like road running category, which yeah. is like when you are running on the trail and you hit like a big uphill, it's not really a big deal, but when you're on the road and the road starts to go up like half an inch per half mile, it, it just, hurts. it makes it so much harder. It's really hard. And yeah. everyone was, most people around me were walking, and this guy I was talking to, Jeremy, who's a really cool guy, who is about to host uh, the an outlaw race, which you should check out, um, he was like, eh, just talk to me. Don't think about it. Just don't think about it. So he's definitely the reason why I didn't walk, which I wanted to, because it was actually that hard. Yeah. Um, I got to the turnaround and started to feel loads of pain. So I did like drills where I would like pull the knee, pull the knees up, pull the ankles up and then do like robots and then like while moving and then go back into my stride. So did you feel bad once you started to go downhill on the way back? It was just a slow ramping up of pain from 20 to 50. Okay. Regardless of other factors. Got it. So I put my headphones in because my headache was starting to 
uh, dissipate a little. And I, I really try to engage, like, <laughs> like happy, fun time Lauren. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I'm, I'm, don't feel shame about this. I'm just going to tell you, I listen to Disney music when I need to engage, like, the world is a sparkly place that you love to be in uh-huh. and you love running and the world is beautiful and these trees are beautiful and everything is going to go your, your way because, because of the colors of the wind. Literally. Literally. So I was at a pretty place in the course. This is the only high part of my whole day. There's like a canyon that goes below where there's like river run like river running through it and like uh, yellow and orange leaves like floating down into the canyon and I was um, acting out with my hands uh, Pocahontas as one does as one does when you need a pull up and uh, some lady looked at me like I was crazy and I was like this is just what I'm doing this is what I need right now this is what I have to do to be puts back together. And uh, that lasted for, like, five minutes where I, like, had the tingly head. And I was like, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to get an upswing. Yay. And then as soon as... Chase the Mario star. Yeah. I was really, really trying. And then uh, after listening to Moana, I just went, everything sucks. And that's when I saw you with the blizzard Mm -hmm. and the hot pretzel. And by then I was like, I was going to say to you, please don't photograph me anymore. Like, don't take any more fucking pictures of me. Um, but I was trying to engage the, like, race with dignity mm-hmm. that I promised myself I would do. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I'm just going to be funny, and I'm going to have fun, and it will be okay, even if I look kind of fucked up. I'm not going to be like, listen, bitch, don't take pictures of me. I feel bad. <laughs> just so you know, you didn't look, you didn't look fucked up. Ever. <sighs> Great. I know you want you want to. It's, yeah, you always want to look. It's the trash bag crying thing, yeah, though, you where, you're, look worse. where you're like, I feel like terrible. I feel like my eyes are sunken into my head, and I look like garbage, and you look yeah. the same. And that's part of the the real shit about this is that like my gait wasn't compromised from this pain. It wasn't like a, oh something felt like it snapped in my knee. It was just like, uh, it feels like someone stuck a knife through my butt. And I can run, but it hurts so bad that I want to die. Yeah. So not having your gait compromised also makes people feel like, you ding dong, you can still run. You should run. If only you had bones sticking through the skin. I know. I know. I I wish for that for you. Thank you. That's exactly what I want. But yeah, but I mean, just because it wasn't compromising my gait doesn't mean it wasn't like, like making me sweat with fucking pain. So, uh... Got to the 50, which is the start-finish. Which is rough. It's bad. And now I get why everyone stops and takes that beautiful 50 buckle. Yeah, you should comment about about the DNF rate. and. So I I looked at the DNF rate, and it looked like it was, like, 11%. And I was like, oh, this is a really good race. And then I realized it's artificially low because you can drop down to the 50, and it will still give you a finish. But as it turns out, it's still, like, a 45% finishing rate-ish. And then... The rest of the people just took the 50. Yeah. So, and, uh, hey, folks, don't blame you. You come into this place, it's filled with people, there's generators running, there's popcorn, it looks like a fucking festival, and you're just like... And there's a lot of 50 warm. milers who yeah. are stop- that are done with their race. Yeah, so you come through the finish line, and people are, like, clapping and, like, looking at you, like, to see what your face is like, going to do. are you done? Yeah, like, are you triumphant, or are you just, like, fuck my life? And <laughs> or then, are you like, oh, no, I'm only half done? Yeah. And and so when you do keep moving, people are like, oh, you're looking good. You're looking good. And you're just like, no. So you can't, I come through these chutes, and you can't exit the chutes. To one side, it's a building. The other side, it's just like barricades. 
So there's like not even a place to go to like tell someone you would like a buckle. Like I don't know where that place would have been. Good. That's good. I guess. I saw my friend Beth Shell and I was like, please don't talk to me. And I, don't worry, I wrote her a letter today apologizing <laughs> for my behavior. But I just knew that if I said anything to her that I was going to be like, I need help, please take me out of here. Yeah. Um, and I was still kind of hoping to get talked back into it and that I would find my next upswing. So I got to see Annie and I was I was trying not to be pitiful, but I think I was probably in tears. Yeah. No? No. Okay, good. Okay. We you kinda you just were like, I don't wanna do this anymore and I was like, Lay down, I'm gonna reset yeah. your hips. Like Yeah. Yeah. So we worked on my hips real quick. But it was kind of like when you're like a kid and you have a fever and you don't want anyone to touch you. Yeah. And you don't want to eat anything and you're just like, Leave yeah. me alone. So I th- I got a water bottle and I forget what else. I probably should have taken more food. A goo or something. Oh, you were asking because you were because you wanted, wanted like dinner. I wanted dinner so bad. And I, I was, I started to worry about if you were, if your head was okay because you were like, did I miss the aid? Like, am I through all the aid station stuff? And I was like, because from where I was parked and had like her aid stuff set up, it looked pretty obvious. Like, there's a bunch of tents nope. near the start finish, quote unquote, line, but they had like a chute built and probably to make sure that people didn't try and go, like, go off. Before they because, get to the timing mats. Because you're doing a bunch of, like, back and forth, like, yes. whether you're the 50 or the 100. So I get it, but I was, like, I was thinking, like, what What do you mean, have you gone through all the aid stations? Like, Lord, yeah, you, you definitely have. Like, I'm, I'm over here with the car and your boxes by myself before you go back on trail. And then I was, like, okay. But understanding the chicken wire fence and stuff, I, Like, there's I get just, it. like, no way out of what you're doing. <laughs> You're just like Good. on a conveyor belt at the, you know, at the airport on the people mover and you're like, I just want to stop racing. <laughs> um, so I shoved it down. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I will find an upswing. And you told me that you wanted to stop and I said, not here. Yes. And I said, okay. And I don't think I even lingered after you set my head. No. I was just like, fine, fuck this. Yeah. Um, so I ran for two and, and a half miles. And I told you to be a bitch, and you gave me, like, a really solid, like, yes. I will face. Yes, and I really wanted to and believed I would. So I ran for two and a half miles, and I felt like I was pushing hard enough to be making 1130. Like, I thought, okay, I'm back in 1130. I'm doing it. I'm in tremendous pain. And then I put my flashlight on my watch, and it said 1345. And I was like, this is so hard. No! Oh, no. It feels like the speed of light. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Um, so somewhere between those two and a half miles, I got, like, a zing in my hip, and I, like, kind of hopped it, you know, hopped my left foot, and then, like, finally let my right foot land, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is so bad. And I was like, okay. So I was kind of doing, like, a really low shuffle, and then I was holding a flashlight, which ended up being a terrible idea, because um, I couldn't hold it still, and it was making me have vertigo. And then my right arm went numb, and my right arm started to lower, and I didn't want to use my left hand because I didn't want to take it out of this mitten because my oh. mitten was making my hand warm. Oh. <laughs> so I just let it drop. And just be aware, she was not having a stroke. This is related to her face pain. Nerve pain, yeah, yeah, whatever it is. So I just have the light is essentially pointing behind me, and all the super fast hundreds are coming 
from having done the turnaround. So they're at mile 71? No, they would have been finishing. No, they wouldn't because you still have to do the northern piece. You would be oh, finishing from the northern okay. piece. So they were at mile like 70 and I was at mile like 52. Which is also worth mentioning. So Zach Bitter ran a 12 hour something 100 here. And so broke the record like, again. It was crazy being at aid stations and <laughs> seeing like, it was just wild because there's, there's people that are just coming out on their first time yeah. and then there's people that are wrapping up their hundred at the same time people are finishing start, the 50 no that they're on the first leg of their 13 because there's many walkers at this race yeah so, you can walk so the that's 50. what it was so there was the, at one point i saw the slowest 50 milers or the slowest hundreds whatever slowest 50 milers like not even halfway through as zach bitter was it was just like it like the made your brain hurt. Like, wait a minute. It was like wait a second. How is it? How he can was you running be here. He was running more than twice as fast as many people. He was lapping people. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> the he he would have been long gone, but the the pretty like sub twenty elites were coming my way. Yeah. And I was just sort of letting them pass me like a truck passes by like a Fiat. I was just like whoosh, like whoosh. <laughs> Good job. Oh, oh, the draft. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, and then I got to this marsh, and I put, I turned the flashlight into my chest to make the light go away. And if that's not a metaphor for something, I don't know what it is. Shine the light into your own heart. To make it go away. It's like a little ultrasound of light to your heart. And I just stopped at this bog, and I was listening to this mix that I made called the Tunnel Hill Power Ballads. And I don't know why Black by Pearl Jam is a power ballad. It is not. I think I just saw it and was like, oh yeah, definitely Black by Pearl Jam. Uh, That's never the answer. Not, but it was in this moment. And I looked at this bog and this, this pine tree that had kind of lost its needles and the sky was completely clear and it was so, like there were so many stars. It was like you could see the Milky Way and there was like a crescent moon. And I just went... And exploded into tears. And I wasn't even like upset that I was dumb. I just, for here's what I should mention that I didn't mention to you earlier is that right before I stopped and looked at the marsh, I thought, reasonably, can I do about 12 more hours of this? 12 to 14 more hours of this at this level of pain. And I just said, I can't, I cannot. I could do five more hours of this at this pain. But if this pain's not going away, I, that, that would be so much for my body and mind to take. I think that I don't think I could handle it. Yeah. So I was just, you know, balancing the math of pain. And that's when the Black by Pearl Jam played. And then I just... And for those who don't know, Black by Pearl Jam is a song that goes... And all it was everything. everything. Um, yeah, it's not a happy song, but I cried because I, uh, you know, this happens sometimes in ultras. The oatmeal talks about it, where you're just like, you get a flush of emotions that you don't understand, and it's just because you've kind of rubbed yourself raw. You know, you've you've like dumped it all out, and all you have now is like this open bloody heart. And I was just crying because I was like, I just have such a beautiful life. I'm so lucky. Goo. Um, 
you know, to have my job and my husband and my house and my dogs and my friends and legs and lungs and I can, I'm standing out here in this beautiful place and I'm just so lucky to be alive. <sighs> Real talk. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm actually sadder now than I was then. <laughs> I wasn't even sad then. I was just like, okay, this is what happened. And that this is how this particular story is going to end. And that's okay. That's okay. So I sort of walked, shuffled for the next two and a half miles. And um, made it into the next aid station. And Annie, much like I had at Biggs... Had, like, set up the pump-up station with, like, the car was open with the lights on and, like, party music was playing and there was, like, hot mashed potatoes, which is, like, kind of what we intended to do at Biggs when she made 100 miles. We were just going to be, like, ring the bell, dance to yeah. Lizzo, get pumped. And I had said, I'm going to have a really hard time, like, transitioning to this next part, so I need, like, I need you pump to help up. push me through. Like, we need to pump it up yep. so I can get jazzed and, like, push through getting back onto the trail. Right, so I had... The speaker playing at the in the Biggs tent, and like had a little light set up to make like a little light flash party, and like I was gonna jump up and down and do a dance, and, and I came in with tears in my eyes, and Lauren right. was just like mid like gyration, mid- like do I keep doing? Do this? I keep dancing? I, I, Will I, it help? <laughs> so same. same. Got to the car at fifty five yeah. and a half, and and it was I was like. I think I said, I don't need you to talk me out of this. I really wanted to... I, I was just, like, over-emotional. I was just crying. You cried before anything else. Yeah, I was just crying before I knew I was even going to stop there. And I just, you know, Annie said, don't be pitiful. And I was like, okay. And I shoved it down. And I took a breather and just realized how insanely hungry I was because I felt like I had not eaten enough food. Um, so I sat in the sat in the dirt and ate some mashed potatoes and then... Uh, called it into the aid station crew chief to tell them I was done. And I was so relieved to be in a car filled with Pop-Tarts and French fries and mashed potatoes. And all other farms of potatoes. Yes, it was very good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really want to have, like, a tidy sort of, like, this American life um, bow for this story. Um, but I think that the, the truth is, I'm not sure that I'm going to do this for a long time. Um, and I put the long time there because, you know, it's totally possible that I'll want to race hundreds again eventually. Um, and I, and I can't say never about anything or put a cap on how many races I'm going to do in a year because, you know, you get caught up in the siren song and you end up doing crazy shit. But you're also still in it. You're in the... You are still in the DNF. Like I am. And I'm not saying that that, that discredits anything that you're saying now. I'm just saying like I, I don't I don't think wh- however you feel is going to end up feeling clear yeah. for That's probably true. a while. But it has also kind of crystallized the doom that I have experienced before in ultras. You know, like the San Diego actually wanting to die feeling, which mm-hmm. is a bad feeling. There, there is this sort of, um, you know how when you read about some diseases, one of the symptoms is a sense of doom. Mm-hmm. That always freaks me out. I think carbon, that's a symptom of carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the symptom of fucking running ultras too. Which is, seems similar to being deprived of oxygen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's this desperation and this doom 
that I know has taught me some things in my life. Um, and you know, that you can persevere in the face of incredible adversity and that you can push through terrible pain. But I don't know that I particularly need to learn that lesson again. Um, and it just kind of seems like going back to a drug that is not as good every time that you're more addicted to and more addicted to. And then when you do it, it doesn't give you what you need. So you have to do more. And I'm sure many people have, you know, likened ultra running to drugs, but. And physiologically it probably is chasing the high, chasing that first high. Yeah. And this, uh, your feelings now. uh, So after, after Lauren uh, dropped from the race, we drove, because it was one of those things where, one, it was 6.30 p.m., but it had been mm-hmm. dark for nearly two, two hours. hours. So it felt very, very late. Um, but we decided to just drive drive home because it was kind of like, we're Thank both God. in this weird headspace. I'm thinking, like, my brain was prepared to be awake mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. another at least 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were kind of thinking the same. Like, yeah. I was prepared to be awake. So it was like... All right, so let's drive home. So we talked a lot about it right away, which again usually doesn't happen because mm-hmm. usually it's like you pass out of yeah. sleep right, right afterwards. Right. So we ended up having a lot of discussion on the way home about what <laughs> these races mean and what would we do if we were not ultra running or like right. what does a goalless life feel like? Right. So a few things. Uh I talked to some people about that and uh, I'll just be honest, it was my mom. And she's not always the best person to talk to about sports, but she did give me some perspective, and she said, you know, there are not two different kinds of lives. There's not just, like, ye who sits on couch and farts about and ye who runs hundos. She was like, people have all kinds of goals and all kinds of things that make them happy that are legitimate, legitimate paths to happiness. And sure, it's important to move your body and make your body healthy in this life, but uh, it's not what brings everyone happiness. And you can't, you know, you can't say that those goals or happiness aren't as legitimate as yours. And that brought me some clarity, and I think that's true. But sometimes it is hard for us to have perspective on these things because this is our world, especially when you train, which is... 90, 80, 90% of our year mm-hmm. is we're training. So we we sometimes uh, live with blinders on and because of that lack an understanding about what normal lives are like because we really don't lead normal lives, you know? We work full time, have children, and uh, have no other hobbies mm-hmm. <laughs> and dedicate all of our remaining passions to this. So Another thing we touched on too was uh, we've had discussions about like what drives us to do this, and for me, it, it always comes back to not feeling good enough in some regards. And I, I hesitate to say that because it seems like it puts a negative spin on it. But it, it's it has driven me to accomplish a lot of great things in my life, both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. But we talked about you know when <laughs> when you had the satisfied bog feeling, I'll call mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. about what happens when you don't feel that push or that urge to keep moving forward Mm -hmm. like what happens when you feel satiety Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. where you are like how does that match up with Mm -hmm. 
pushing yourself towards other endeavors. Right. Like, right. Is it dangerous to be satisfied? Yeah. And the the school of radical self love would be would say no. It would say that every moment one has to be satisfied with what they have, or else you're never truly living. You're always one step behind the thing that you want to be. Mm-hmm. So this is a pretty uh, fundamental philosophical question about the manner in which one lives, and that is, do you want to always raise the bar on yourself? Or do you, and, and can you do both? Can you say, I'd like to achieve crazy cool things and keep trying to do harder and harder things, but also whatever I am right now is good enough. And how, how do you do both of those things with grace? It's, it seems uh, like uh, a tenuous, tight wire place to be. Mm-hmm. And we even talked, you, you had mentioned that despite with the, how the race went and maybe you feel differently today than you did yesterday because yesterday was a lifetime ago because <laughs> we got home yesterday morning yeah. anyways uh, where you said you you still enjoyed the training like you enjoyed the training That's for this the race I did I did I want to go running every day I want to go weightlifting I want to be on a treadmill those are things I do for fun that clear my head and make me feel like me so even if racing was, like, stripped from my life for a while, which it probably won't be. Uh, well, yeah, you have a turkey trot. I have a turkey trot. We have to take those <laughs> Next r- week. Which I bought racing flats for. <laughs> this is how you feel better the day of a DNF. Racing flats. Also, I just love the contrast of so many things where it's like, I just don't know that I want to run races anymore, but in seven days... I will. I mean, I know. I I mean, strictly hundreds. Because literally every other distance is okay. Like, has never really taken me to the death zone. Yeah. I've never run 100K or less and wanted to die. Ever. (laughs) So, you know, maybe those are more for me. I mean, if I had gone Harry and the Potter at this race and done a 50. I feel like I could have done a crazy 50. Yeah. Uh, I know. That's a coulda, shoulda. But, like, maybe maybe that would be more fun for me. I don't know. There's uh, a lot of what ifs. There is a lot of what ifs. But uh, right now I, I'm asking myself a lot of questions and I, I don't have the answers yet. Um, oh, just some fun fact that just <laughs> seems weird to me that, like, I think I raced probably, like, 11, 11 hours total. Where, whereas in other hundreds, being over halfway would mean, like, way more time than that. And so it seems insane to me that what felt like 20 hours was less than the time it took me to do BFC this year. Which felt like, like you know, riding a bull with a, you know, a lasso in my hand. Like, woohoo, this rules. So... It's a weird feeling. It, a lot of it's the early sunset, too. But, like, pain and early sunset. And just, like, I don't know. I mean, remember I had talked on this podcast about thinking, like, um, this is something new for me. Flat, fast, and no turns uh, might not be my wheelhouse. Uh, I'm going to stick with it doesn't seem like it's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> that seems too fast and too relentless. I, I still feel like I want to... I disagree. Where your body went into this ouchie. Yeah. And you can't, like, redo the whole thing. I just hate to have you, like... And not saying, like, you don't give up on the 100. The 100 has slapped you around a little bit. I get it. Uh, But 
cut, like going into a race with your body fucked up. Yeah. And then having it stay fucked up. Yeah. And then you ending your race because your body's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. But there is something mentally that feels impossible about this race where you're like, okay, I did an out and back. I did another out and back. Now I just have to do both of those again. Oh, God, no. I think this this course actually fucks with me more than it helps me. Because it really is just tempting to just give up all the time. Whereas, like, if you're on a big loop, you're like, well, I gotta get there. You know? I gotta get there somehow, so I better keep going. So it's funny. I think that is something different maybe about the way our brains work. If if I'm, like, ready to be done with something, I would just lay down and be done. <laughs> like, when we got lost in the Ozarks and I just felt like, I'll just... I'll just stop, like, by the side yeah. of the road, and, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. it, it either will or it won't. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Well, it's never like, oh, there's the car. It's like, nope, I'm not going to stop unless I decide to stop, and then I'm going to stop wherever the fuck I am. <laughs> that was a little harder to do when it's that cold. Yeah. Because even walking was going to give you the um, hypothermic shakes at this place because it was 22. It was quite crispy. It was, it was very interesting. Crispy. I have not... Uh, this is the coldest hundo either one of us has ever done. Yes. Which... It's kind of saying a lot. Again, why do we pick hot races? But uh, this was the coldest race, and it was interesting to watch a hundred where people were not really stripping down layers. I saw people still yeah. wearing uh, nose balaclavas. Yeah. yeah, baklavas. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> wearing Greek dessert all over their face. Well, I mean, honey could <laughs> insulate. Um, so I'd like to throw this out there. We'll put a little. Um, poll on our Facebook or Instagram or both, but um, I would love to hear your suggestions about um, races that are legitimately fun. I know that some of them I probably have heard of, but probably need to look into more like I heard Javelino is really fun. I've heard Hallucinations really fun, but like toss out some ideas for races that seem like a party because that's really what I'm in the mood for right now. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to be involved in a business race ever again unless it's a 5k um just trying to get back to the fun of of this and you know i'm not an elite and an olympian uh, i just careful what i'm just saying don't don't like put yourself down too. I, that's not that's okay. i don't feel bad about not being an elite or an olympian those are just facts but i would just like to get back to the fun of this because right now it is not there. Yeah, this has been a hard year, like in our in our friend group. Yeah, I will say. Uh, had a lot so of injuries. Me had uh, AC Angels Crest as a DNF, and that was that was rough on me, and was a weird thing to have experienced. Although I guess I shouldn't say it was, it was pretty. Uh, paradigm shifting for me maybe I'll say and then doing 100 at bigs but having hoped for a whole lot more um, which is another reason and I'm very grateful for that because usually when people stop at a race I'm not always the most empathetic first because I really hold I really hold the torch for that person Mm -hmm. on the off chance that they want to pick it back pick it back Mm -hmm. up themselves Mm -hmm. Um, and like (laughs) I felt I could feel everything that you were experiencing like the I feel emotional because it's, like, right there, and I, you know, yeah. hope for these things for you. But, like, you talking about 
being in pain and it just being too much. Like, yeah. That's what happened at Biggs. It was yeah. like, my brain's okay and, like, I'm here in this yeah. and I still feel competitive. And my body has stopped working. My yeah. my leg will not pick up. Yeah. I cannot, Lauren cannot hold her right arm up, you yeah. know? And you just kind of yeah. go, like... Again, we're people who can handle a lot of pain and a lot of different kinds of pain, mm-hmm. but when it's just, it's like a consistent something in my body is not working correctly, or again, the same thing, I went into bigs with things that were fucked up, mm-hmm. and then my body was fucked up. You went to, yeah. and with stuff that was fucked up, and then it was, that's yeah. what ended your But race. you feel cheated. You feel yeah. cheated because if you, I mean, technically could run. I kept uh-huh. thinking if I had a brain that wasn't experiencing pain through, like, certain synapses, then maybe I could just keep running even if it was fucking something up. Like, I just thought, how do you turn off these synapses? Because my lungs are working, my legs, I'm in super fit condition, and my brain is with it. I'm not tired. I'm not not sleepy. I'm not exhausted. And don't you feel like you've run through a lot of stuff that you're like, this fucking hurts, and it's clicking, and maybe I'm doing some damage, yep. but I'm continuing on. Like, I got yes. this. We don't even get to make that choice. It's like, yeah. well, I, I don't... Wait, I thought I yeah. could run through pain. Right. Like, the time at Not Your Mama's at mile 40 when I thought I broke my foot, because it felt like my foot was broken. But I was like, I can run through a broken foot. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that felt like super high-level pain, which speaks to even more, like, the depth of this pain. But yeah, if you feel cheated. You feel like... Why can't my body just fucking let me th- do the thing that I fucking plan to do and that I know that I can fucking do? Yeah. And one of the things I've struggled with, and I alluded to this also when you stopped, which again, I don't know if that was the best timing, but whatever, is I've been training for a while now like it's my job. And yeah. not in a, a good or a bad way, I guess, just yeah. like with a seriousness and a weight that comes with you know, putting food on the table. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a thing that I have to do today, and that's been one of my strengths, but I think it's just kind of made it a little dry. I almost Mm -hmm. almost hate to say, like, boring or anything, because it's never been, like, boring. It's just kind of been, like, this is the thing that I'm doing, and then I did it, instead Mm -hmm. of being, like, ooh! Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, what are we going to do? I know. It's been fun to, like, go to the track and find out what we were going to do that day. And it's not, again, it's not about doing it easy. Like, I, you know, I haven't, we're both, like, just in the sad bag right now. My hip's still fucked up. Yeah. Um, So I haven't been running. And all I want to do is, like, go run 30 miles on a Saturday and 20 on a Sunday Mm -hmm. and then try and PR at the turkey trot the following weekend. Mm -hmm. And it's, I know, and it's so it's not about like oh, it's not I about desire. The couch, it's like no, no, no. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna go grind. Like nuts, yeah, yeah. And so when Hugh said you wanted to stop, I was like, remember when we used to have fun at these things? Yeah. Because we did. I mean, we did, we did, and we still do sometimes. But like, and I also thought, and I think this has come up before, where I'm like, you know, all of our problems would be solved if we would just keep racing together. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that... So before you give up hundreds, we have to run a hundred together. Before you give it up forever. You asshole. <laughs> you incredible asshole. I've, I'm not saying soon. I very... I don't... I wouldn't say rarely. I never say no to you. <laughs> I literally... Even if it takes me six months to a year... I didn't I didn't ask. I have literally yeah. never said no to you. Yeah. If you were like, let's go out for one loop in in the snow in the 50 mile an hour wind I'd be like no okay <laughs> I've I literally never ever said no I didn't even ask you directly I just said you you, we you should. suck 
You hey, suck. it can be like when you're 55. I'm just saying you don't get to say that you'll never run another one. Anyways, that's not the real. And here's that's the, not the real answer. You always but, plant some weird ass seed, and then it just germinates and grows instantly. I'm like, that sounds fun. Already, we should do you that. You're already talking about doing Arrowhead at some point, so you you already have your own sickness. I know, but Arrowhead is already like psh, swept under the rug and like smashed into the floor. But that would be a fun one to do together. That would be. It really would be like because it, it would be like this is a fucked up weird race that we're this doing. Why not just up. make it? Like that would be a hard race not to DNF though. So maybe we should pick something more fun that's not like in the depth of the darkness of winter while like dragging a sled of your fucking. I know, but but sometimes that's our fun spot. That's true. The thing, the thing, the place where no one else lives. Ozarks. Where everybody else is, we're like everybody else is having fun, but this is not the thing we want to do. True. You're a son of a bitch. I know. know Sorry. I know. Because I've already decided that I'm scrapping my entire spring. You can. Whole spring. I've, and summer. I've scrapped it. I'm going back to the drawing board to say, what would be fun or weird or interesting? Can someone donate money so that we can run the Trans Rockies? That would be great. If you could just PayPal us, it's laurenecraft at gmail.com. <laughs> and we, we've, can, we've talked about putting a Patreon up, which I know this is a... I don't, I'm going to... It's ready to go. Well, and it's it's pretty, I'll say, standard practice, I think, for a lot of podcasts. Um, we've talked about putting one up because there's lots of things we'd love to do, like come to your race, whatever that means, yeah. whether it's your hometown race that you're like, this is a really fun thing, or mm-hmm. things as simple as uh, get more birth bar stickers made, or pay for our SoundCloud podcast prescription. Or, prescription? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Take twice a day. Yeah. Uh, or have t-shirts and hats made. Which yeah. is one of our big goals because uh, everyone loves swag. Yeah. So uh, be on the lookout for that when we f- decide we'll to release that. it. That'll go live at the very least before Christmas. We'll see. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, join me in discovering the fun of ultra running by sending me your ideas and your love. Yeah. But... This has been a good conversation, and DNFs are always so... I've, I've said a lot of F-bombs in this this episode, but DNFs are always so fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, you you posted kind of a joke about the stages of DNFing, but <laughs> DNFing is really... It's we, it, it is feels like weird. It, it feels, is like it's grief. It's like grief, and it's, it's just weird, and like, you know, uh, because we talked the whole way home, and like, you were kind of like... Um, you weren't like totally okay with it, but you were all, you were all right. I was like, okay with that decision. Yeah, but I'm you know not as okay with the fallout. Right, and then today it's been a rougher go of it. Yeah, and yeah. I make this joke at my husband all the time. He'll be looking at the TV, and I'll be looking at him, and I'll have had like run too many miles, or not eaten quite enough pasta, or not maybe slept, too much caffeine, maybe too much caffeine, or like not slept nine hours at the very least, and he'll just look at me and realize that I'm looking at him, and he'll be like, "What is it?" And I'm like. Who am I even? Why? Who cares? What is it that I like? Who? who and you're not am- even saying that no. as a rhetorical question. You're like, no. Who? First bullet. Who, who am, am I? I? Yes. So this, uh, you know, this day after the DNF is really like, what do I like? Who am I? And my husband made an excellent point, which is a great thing for uh, post post races. Post races in general, when you get the post race blues, sort of like post baby blues kind of thing, he was like, "Why don't you just do something that you used to like to do?" 
I used to have a lot of hobbies. <laughs> I used to paint and craft and knit and crochet and build and carve. I used to have a lot of hobbies. Well, I mean, some of them were smoking and drinking, like 80% of them were smoking and drinking, which I also miss a lot, but not going to do those. So I might start getting into some crafting projects or painting again, which sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just re- rejuvenate something. You know, away. you're making it sound like you're going away on like a mental health, like to a yeah. mental health facility. Yeah. Like, just gonna paint just gonna some color. happy dreams. Like, I'm just gonna okay. sit here in this okay. white gown and color and also, well, I also have been playing the piano again, which is good. So I might dedicate more time to playing the piano. Yeah, it does sound like I'm going away, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, Lauren was sent to a post-race a... So when you guys listen to facility. the next episode and it's just me, I'll you'll know what happened. I will be streaming live from, like, the Sunset Hills, which is a mental health facility in California. Yeah. Lauren's doing super well. She painted two uh, paintings about her heart feelings today. She only threw her tray of food at the wall once. Exactly. She was the hill. Ah! <laughs> and she took a shower today. Everything's going great. Oh wow, that would be better than I'm really doing. Um, but yeah, so you know, we're giving you the real talk. We're not candy Yeah, the coding. real real talk. This is real real talk. I mean. Uh, we oh. did say so. We're we're taking all silver linings from Tunnel Hill, and one of yeah. them is that we knew we would have good fodder for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Great. Good Worth job. Worth it. Good job DNFing sure. like we talked about Thank you. so that we could talk about it on the podcast. I just really wanted to bring our A game to the podcast, which is what I've been training for all year long. You know what else I think is worth mentioning is we talked about this... We ha- I feel like we have we have like this small cornerstone of popularity with this podcast, you know. To, I hope so. To you, to you, f- tens and tens of people out there, not <laughs> the regular, or like people that we knew at the race, like you know, there can be like uh, some expectations that we put on ourselves because we're we're people who like to be high performers. Yeah. I mean, like yeah, uh, that's part of the fun and the stress and the horribleness of it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, it's a a thing that makes it more exciting but at the same time it can be a lot more pressure and yeah. we I feel like for me and especially again because of the year that we've both had and like mm-hmm. I know we're, we're not the same person despite what everyone thinks I feel like <laughs> the culmination of everything this year is like in this one big basket like yeah me dropping at AC and then also not doing as well as I wanted to at Biggs mm-hmm. and you DNFing at Tunnel Hill. Mm-hmm. I think we both feel those things. Yeah, we do. And we do. I think it's a good reminder to everybody out there, like, everybody's human. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're humans. Yeah. Like, we're still, and despite the fact that, again, we've been training like it's our job. Like, yeah. It's very scary. up, man. It, but it is scary to feel exposed to people who are listening because I feel like more people than ever knew that I was running this race, despite the fact that I didn't post a single thing about it on social media. Thank you very much, Ann Lang. Um, so the pressure was on, and you don't want to feel like you've disappointed your friends or fans or anybody who's listening. But uh, I think that part of the value in this podcast is that, uh, I mean, we really have had a vulnerable year. Yeah. Where we've really turned ourselves inside out, trying our hardest, and sometimes we succeed. And chasing some hairy stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I forget that, too, that it's not like 
we're like, well, I'm going to do my first, or I'm doing a 5K and my goal is just to complete it. And then we somehow managed to not do that. It's right. like, oh, I want to do Biggs, which is a race that I've never done before. Right. Or I want to get my, not just okay. my first sub 24 hour finish, but maybe beat that target by a couple hours mm-hmm. and go a faster pace for the, for a longer time than I ever have mm-hmm. before. You know, so sometimes yeah. I feel like we need reminders of that too, that we're not just falling flat on our face trying to do this easy goal yeah we fall because we are continue to chase these to do hard things yeah yeah well we encourage you to do hard things and know that when you fail to achieve them that no one is disappointed in you your friends are still your friends and your loved ones still love you as much as they did before if not more because they are in awe that you are so brave to attempt something so hard so and I think uh one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot with representation and media and stuff like that with with this uh, idea is uh, for those of you out there that are experiencing similar things after a DNF is that you're not alone. Yeah. You're not the only one that feels however you're feeling Mm -hmm. because again, DNFs are fucked up and it can make, it can can make your fun hobby seem like a really serious, horrible thing. And the impact that it can have negatively on your like daily perspective yeah. can be intense. Like if you're looking for extracurricular reading on these matters, some folks that are really heroes to me are um, Alexi Papos, who is a young, uh, first-time marathoner who ran for, or ran for the Ducks. Who did she yeah. run for? Yeah, yep. Oregon. Who, who um, is a young elite runner and poet who speaks to my heart. Um, who didn't quite get her goals at her first marathon, but didn't fucking stutter step afterwards she was just like and i tried and i can't wait to try again yay and also kelly k roberts who you might know from sports squad sports bra squad stuff um who is somebody who struggled with body image and feeling like an imposter who is now for me just the poster girl of uh bravery and positivity in the sport and just putting yourself and your body out there um not to be seen or judged but just to use it as a tool to do amazing things so those are two people who definitely helped me through some uh rough feelings so maybe check them out thanks for listening thanks for uh sharing your heart (laughs) you know nothing like some tears on a podcast episode after having dropped from a race yeah uh, like less than 48 hours ago. You know me, if it's not maniacal laughing, it's probably crying. So <laughs> enjoy the roller coaster. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, like us on Facebook, leave us a review, you know, review us on. Please review podcasts. us. On podcasts app. <laughs> and we'll talk See to you, you soon. Next time. Okay, bye.